It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. And uh, just like last week, we actually happen to be in the same place, same time, so we have this unusual event of recording the episode, seeing each other face-to-face, so... Bridget, Which is welcome. too bad that they can't see us face-to-face. It's so much better to do it face-to-face. <laughs> like, I get all your facial expressions. And for those of you who don't know, he moves his hands, he's, his face is animated. Like, lots is happening. Lots right. is happening well, as he's talking. That's right. We're, we're giving. I like it. It's a performance. I like it. As I say about sales, it's an experiential art. It is. It's Podcasting the same thing. Okay. Experiential. All right. So, uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm in the beautiful Southern California uh, Empire West of Accelerate. Yes. Not as west-west as you can go. Mid. Well, we're not in Hawaii, but... Right. Yeah. We haven't established the outpost there yet, but we're working on it. Okay. Okay. So, beautiful, beautiful day. Great to be here. No complaints. Yeah. It's beautiful. We're looking at the bay in San Diego, cruise ships... Aircraft carriers for the Navy, lots of activity out there. But we're going to talk about sales. We're today. going to talk about sales. And the topic today, and how Andy. Unusual, because we never talk about sales. I know. Well, sometimes we don't. We've gotten really off topic running, weather, et cetera. But today, what's the topic today? So, the topic today is we're going to talk about sales planning because as you listen to this, we're in the month of December. And oh, that's, big planning month. That's the time to start mm-hmm. thinking about what are we going to do next year. Mm-hmm. And not just what are we going to do next year, but what are we going to do differently next year? Because it's easy enough to just do the same thing. But if we do the same thing, we're going to get <laughs> the same results. Unless we've been getting good results. Yeah, I would argue that you need to change even then, right? I, I would too, but I would also argue let's not throw the baby no, out no, no, no. with don't, the bathwater. You don't start from scratch, but standing still is like going backwards. Okay, I agree. Okay. So, as you look at a sales plan, we talk, let's talk about two different sales plans. Sales plan that a manager needs to put together and a sales plan that an individual needs to put together. And what should be in that plan? What should they be thinking about? What are the things they have to include to make it a worthwhile use of their time to put it together and to use as a roadmap for going forward in 2017? I mean, to me, they're not exercises. They're... These are documents that you use. These become your operational planning documents that you execute. Andy, when I was consulting, there was a large multinational company that asked me, well, every year at the in fourth quarter, mm-hmm. they had this planning exercise, mm-hmm. and the regional managers... The planning went, exercise, I like that word, yes. Okay, pl- because that's what it was. Sure. And it was this huge binder, hundreds of pages around what they were going to do to succeed in their regions and territory mapping. And it, literally, it was a giant three-ring binder. And did they ever look at it once they Aha, put it together? There's said, the question. There's the rub. So one of the things when I was, before I got the consulting engagement, I wasn't, someone had introduced me, and I I ended up, 
this was at my recommendation, Mm -hmm. is I said, what happens to that planning document? Nothing. So there are hours and hours and hours because these all get presented up and then they sit on a shelf. Right. And so what I did with the managers was let's create a one-page actionable Mm -hmm. document Mm -hmm. based on what's in that binder. What are you going to do differently? What are you going to do daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly? Let's look at things that are actionable and how do you know that you're on track? Right. And it's hard to do. It's It's actually in some ways easier to just spew out a bunch of stuff that you're never going to look at. You know, you just generate. Yeah, I don't want to be held accountable for anything. And then you're not accountable. Right. It's beautiful. Lack of accountability. Life is great. All right. So my take on the sales planning things at the beginning of the year is that the window of the planning horizon is 90 days. As far as sales is concerned, I don't think you can put together a plan that's still valid after 90 days because life happens. You know, you're out engaging with the customers and prospects and you've got all these, you know, there's certain numbers and targets you can talk about. When you talk about specific tactics and strategies, action items you're going to take to implement, which is the level of detail I like to see, you know, in a plan is, okay, let's break it down into fairly finite detail. What you're going to do in this first quarter, and then we're going to revisit the plan in second quarter. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I typically like to look at, because I'm looking at, at a VP level Yeah, that's having to be rolled up to my CEO, sure. who's rolling it up to the board. Well, that's why I'm saying we have the management plan and we've got the... Right. So the manager's typically going to have a mandate Mm-hmm. And it's going to say, I need you to do this in this quarter. Right. And let's say, let's, let's say the way that I've done it is you've got a yearly number and quarterly goals against it. Right. So we look very generally at the yearly number. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, how do we break it down per, per quarter? What's going to happen per quarter? And then use that though as the the straw man to iterate on for the, su- for the subsequent quarters. Yeah, because I think that, that, you said there's a mandate, right? This are your goals. Yeah, you don't get to come up and say, hey, this is what, this is this a, is this what is we think we're going to do. Because invariably it's lower than... Right, so you start breaking that down. So you've got a goal. There's certain strategies that you're going to put in place to try to achieve that goal. And you have your existing process and so on. But I mean, are there any new initiatives you're going to put together or specific things you're going to do that, that you said that really sort of break down? It's great. You've given your, your plan, your, your top-level plan to managers. Now you need to start breaking this down. You know, what's, what's really going to happen? You know, what are you, what are you going to do when you come into work on Monday, the first day of the year? What's that look like? And I think that, yeah, certain frontline sales manager roles they really don't have that in mind, right? They just sort of saying, oh, gosh, we just sort of have to hit quota. But there's, you know, they don't happen. It shouldn't happen by accident. There should be some sort of forethought and planning and and things that you're doing that are deliberate to achieve a result. And so I like to see that that there's, you know, we got some strategies and you can take those strategies and that's sort of a hierarchy of, you know, strategies. And then you've got act, action items or strategies and tactics and then action items and put some dates to them. You know, some of the major initiatives you're going to take. It could have to do with 
uh, hiring. It could have to do with training. It could have to do with you know development activities. It could have to do with uh, campaigns or blitzes you do. But have those things in there and understand you know what what you expect the outcomes to be. How are they going to impact your plan? What are the risks associated with them? What are the investments associated with them? Yeah, I think a key part of that is when you said what are the what are the outcomes and really measuring and keeping track of the outcomes like mm-hmm. are the activities and these strategies delivering against the set of outcomes that we need to have and often when you think about it 90 days is a short window yeah but we're talking about i mean again it depends on the length of your sales cycle and the product and service you sell but but too often what I've seen with sales plans is companies put them together and they have their salespeople put them together and they say, oh yeah, I'm going to make these many calls and this type of customer and we're going to, you know, they sort of lay out something and it's like, yeah, they get 30 days into it and they're off track somewhere, right? Because maybe some opportunities came up they hadn't expected and, and then they sort of get lost in the weeds and they've lost the ability to focus and back on where they really thought they were heading so I think it's always useful to have a roadmap. It's okay to take detours if the outcomes are positive. But I always want to see reps and frontline managers have some sort of roadmap so they sort of come in and not have any question, have any ambiguity at all in their mind about what they're doing each and every day. Well, we also have a lot of data. <laughs> uh, potentially, we have a lot of data. Right. Not everybody's collecting the data. Not everybody's looking at the data. But we have a lot of data around the size of customers mm-hmm. that we're attracting, the um, average average sale price, the uh, conversion ratios. The we've got a lot of data that we can back into at a very base level the types of activities and the quantity of activities we need. In certain segments. So Mm -hmm. as an example, I'm used to seeing the reps roll up to a manager looking at the, in a 90-day plan, looking at, all right, here's my quarterly number. Here's the opportunities that I have that are of, let's say, uh, large accounts. Let's Mm -hmm. say size A. Right. Here's size B. Here's size C. And I know sort of what the mix is that I generally get. And here's where I'm deficient. And so I need to figure out my strategy for where I see my deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And this is what the, the best managers that I've had at Sumo Logic were so good at this. And we didn't do, we would do the quarterly plans, quarterly business reviews. Mm-hmm. But then on a weekly basis, as we're tracking towards that, the best managers would say to me, okay, here's where we are against that plan. We had a couple of big deals fall out. We're tracking, this is what we're doing to shore up where, where we've fallen behind there. Mm-hmm. And so that they're, they are using that quarterly plan on a weekly basis to stay on track, weekly basis to stay on track. Right. But it, it has the strategic pieces, but also a lot of really quantitative pieces. Conversion rates, sales cycles, average deal size, uh, size of account, that sort of thing. And, and a particular rep's um, forecast accuracy. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, one of the things that that I wrote about a couple of years ago and and work about with work with companies on is is what I saw what I label calculating their lead deficit. So having reps really understand, and, and perhaps if you're in a you know larger inside sales organization, it might not be quite as as appropriate. But but for yeah, most of the companies that are out there that haven't adopted this, that have individual reps that are maybe more full uh, life cycle sales reps, is doing a calculation before the start of the year to understand exactly how many opportunities they need to develop in order to have a chance of meeting their number. And so it's a calculation that I put together, and I, I can give people a link to the article. But basically it says, you know, you look at, at um, you know, a bunch of factors. You, know, you look at average deal size that we talked about that you had, average sales price, um, how many leads you can expect to come in from inbound that you might get, uh, how much business you might expect to get from existing customers, and based on the calculation that I put together, is it what it does is it, and based on your conversion rates, at the end it pops out a number that says, "Look, these are the number of opportunities I need to develop, or that I need to have in order to have a chance of meeting my number." And it's a great number for, like I said, a rep to have, especially like I said, a more of a full life cycle rep, not necessarily inside reps. It's because then you know exactly the magnitude of the task in front of you. Look, you know, you could do it, ran it for one company, and, and this rep understood she needed to develop 140 new opportunities based on her close rate, deal size, so on, in order to be able to have a chance of meeting quota. And it really laid it out. And so then she could start saying, okay, well, gosh, you know, where are the missing pieces in my strategy, right? Where am I going to find these names? Where do I build my list? You know, what are the offerings and the the types of customers we're going to go after in terms of what's the ideal client profile for us and sort of work down that list and really put together a solid plan for going out and addressing our territory. Well, I think it's a big uh, miss if reps don't do that regularly Mm -hmm. and don't know how to do it. And sometimes they, most often they need to be trained at least early on how to do it. Hopefully they don't have to be trained over and over and over. But it's again shocking. I know, but but sometimes it happens. So I remember one VP of sales role that I took, new in the role, there had been an issue with reps not hitting their numbers, and there was some there were some morale issues as well. Mm-hmm. And when reps don't hit their numbers and there's some morale issues, sometimes people don't work also. Sure. And, I mean, they're just they're frustrated. The, yeah, we're gonna find you're always in sales organizations. You're always gonna find the broad spectrum of people, right? Right, and and it's hard because the moods are contagious, and it tends to spread in mm-hmm. a sales org. And I remember telling this particular team, "Hey, listen, everybody gets a chance to try it. You guys get the first chance to try it for the team. Okay, you get you've got the first chance. The first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna each of you. Well, I, I had a workshop. Right, you're gonna build your plan." For the quarter. Mm-hmm. You build your plan. And let me show you how you do it. We're going to do it. It's, it's, it's a simple math. And we're going to look at your conversion ratios and average right. deal size and, and sort of what, what you need from an activity standpoint. And we sat in a conference room and everybody, you know, on their computers, filling out an Excel spreadsheet that I had had the formulas in there. And as they were doing it, they came to these numbers of activities that they would have to do. And they said, w- 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 th- this number of calls, this number. 
this, how, how could we do this? This isn't going to, we can't do this many. And I said, I am, this is math. Okay. I'm okay. If you don't want to do the number of calls, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, here's what I need is the outcome. So this is what you've been doing historically. This is the deal size. This is how long it takes to close. You need to start changing. So this is the number of calls you've been making. And you know what? I promise you will not hit your number if you keep doing it the same way. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I see it here. I promise. Well, yeah, you can, you can change the variables. As long change as you come, the variables. As long as you come up with the same outcome. But, but that's the part of the plan. If you look at pieces of the plan and see, oh, I don't want to make that many calls. Find another variable. Mm-hmm. If you're Change committed the deal to, size. Find a customer. Find if you're committed to hitting the number. Right. But what I see more often than not is sales reps are just do they're just doing it. They're just going, they're just doing activities. They're doing activities. They're not working against a plan. And they're not checking themselves against how many opportunities do I need? How many pricing conversations do I need to be in? How many at Sumo Logic POCs am I involved in? And I remember starting my own company and figuring out, all right, I better figure out what my metrics are if I knew what I wanted to bring in at the end of every month. Mm-hmm. And I just backed into the activities that I needed yeah. in order to get the number of deals that I wanted. And then I had to test it and iterate on it. But I was, I, I was just unforgiving for myself in terms of having a plan and following a plan because I didn't need a surprise. Oh, I wonder why I didn't make the money. No surprises. Yeah. Well, I, I learned this lesson right at the beginning of my career where first job I had out of school, big computer company, they had this division that sold, I probably talked about this on the air before, is, is sold uh, big desktop adding machines. <laughs> and And you had to sell like, Based on average sales price, we had to sell like 25 of these things before, and they were hugely overpriced for the, the era they were in. But, or, and it's an adding machine. It's Just so machine. everybody, if nobody picked that up, I'm going to say it again. It's an adding yeah. machine. Right. Adding. A calculator, basically. That sold, Simplified. Yeah, it sold for like 300 bucks when you could buy them. And it was giant. Them, and you, giant. And you could, buy, you could buy them for 50, you know, little handheld ones. So. We had to sell like 20, 25 of these things in order to qualify to get trained in selling computers. And so this was sort of the first cut for all the new hires that come in. If you couldn't sell your 25... Yeah, if you can't sell an adding machine, dear God, you're not going to be able to, to grasp the complexity right. of a more complex Well, what's sort of processing. interesting is, is you were selling something six times pricier with the same or less functionality than something you could buy for 50 bucks. But I took the opposite approach, which was, well, that sounded like death is we had a model that was programmable that I feel I could sell two of them. It was worth 25 of the others. And so the price I had to pay is I had to teach myself how to program these things. But I knew there were companies that wanted, you know, simple, you know, one was a payroll tax calculation. So I taught myself how to program a payroll tax calculation one Saturday and went out and sold two of these things and I was done. So that's a, Andy. That I love that example. Yeah. Because you changed the variable. 
Yeah. Sometimes in companies, they require, like I remember being at Xerox early, you couldn't, like you couldn't say, okay, I'm going to sell two higher priced copiers instead of 10 fax machines. They were trying to move fax machines. Oh, yeah. Well, we had So sometimes it was, it's specific. Later on, we had that, where we had various product groups and we had to sell. That you need to sell. We need to sell some of each group in order to make quota. Yeah. And it was, and the thing is, so they held on to these legacy adding machines about 10 years too long. And it was always a struggle at the end of the year because we had to sell some of these adding machines in order to make President's Club. So there are always a lot of sweet deals cut with our customers that bought a you know, million-dollar computer. <laughs> hey, don't you need some of these? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's where you know friends and family come in. I need you to pitch in and buy an adding machine. Yeah. They're probably worth something now. I really don't. Like as a relic. I, I Okay, still doubt. not. Still not. No. Okay, not useful then, not useful now. Marginal. Well, I'm sure there was a period there were. Probably. Like two weeks. About 10 years before we were selling them, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember those days. No, we've all had that. We've all, you know, every, while we're talking about really antiquated equipment, there's still antiquated software that people oh, yeah. are out selling for very high prices that you wonder People are really buying that, and they do. Well, I remember once we were sitting in this presentation with uh, a guy from corporate that had come out and was presenting to all the sales managers about what was coming the next year in anticipation of us being able to put together our, our business plans for the following year. And he's saying, well, hey, this is what's coming, and so on. And, and um, A, none of us believed that they'd ever hit the dates, which they never did. But also what they're talking about were things that were... Not very exciting. <laughs> and I remember a guy sitting next to me, you know, raising his hand, saying, I, th- I think I've got a motto for our, our company, uh, or a tagline. <laughs> and the guy said, what was it? And this guy was absolutely fearless. You know, there was science that says, yeah, I think we're going to call it Today's Solutions Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I I am going to remember that. I love it. Today's Solutions Tomorrow. Yeah, that's our promise. And or Yesterday's Solutions Today. This was the same company whose CEO stated, and you can find this on the internet, stated... Because nothing goes away. That's right. Stated customer service policy was, we want to keep our customers surly, but not rebellious. Gosh, that would never survive today in a SaaS environment. <laughs> wouldn't survive in any environment. I know, but but you know what? It could you could get away with but, it. But there are companies that maybe inadvertently do that. But this was the stated policy. Because oh, that's... these guys believed that the customers most likely to buy additional product and services from me were those that were just slightly unhappy. Because they had to buy more than to fix <laughs> it was hugely cynical. Yeah, don't let's not share the name of that company because I don't even care if they're still around or not. Don't <laughs> no, I don't want to know. I don't want to ask questions because I don't want to know who it is. They're not around. I don't want to know who it no kidding. But they managed to Of they, course they're not around. Well, not in their old form. Cur- but they are still around <sighs> as part of another company. But um but yeah, when I think about that. Let's hope that thinking has evolved for that individual. Let's hope that they oh, he's, have... He's, he's, he's dead for 20, 30 years. I mean, so <laughs> he's gone. But, I mean, just think about how old-fashioned that was. And yet, you know, you still get experiences now and then with companies that, even though they don't state it the same way, they sort of treat you the same way. Do you think, Andy, that sales... Getting back to the question of planning... Sure. 
Do you think most companies require managers to submit or present a quarterly plan? Not in my experience, no. Which means they're probably not asking reps to submit or present their quarterly plan. Yeah, no, I think that's the case. I mean, my, that's been my experience. And it's, and you know, part of what we see is, is these days, let's say with certain companies that have, let's say, an inside sales team, they think their process is a substitute for the plan. Process is not a plan. I understand that, but I'm saying that. No, I know you know. I know you understand it. <laughs> but I think that some people adhere to that, right? We've got a process. We keep executing the process. Whatever number you give us, you know, we're just going to scale the team or do something, and we'll be able to hit it. And it's it's funny how even companies you think that are run by fairly sophisticated people just I mean, I've got one client that I work with on occasion and you know every year it's like okay well have you put your plan together let's sit down and do that and we actually one year we we sort of put it together and went through the process and he got it but then sort of set it on the shelf and didn't do it and then wondered why they weren't hitting their numbers I love plans <laughs> I mean I really do I love plans well I like well, I like uh, thinking this is the thing is I want people to think you know, to me, sales is about is a thinking person's profession. It's not for robots, right? If you want to succeed at sales, you have to be thoughtful and deliberate about what you do. Well, and this is why I love early stage is because lots of thinking required of building and creating the plans and executing on the plans and figuring out. And you don't have all the X's and the Y's figured out. No, you don't. You, so there's a lot of there's a, you've got to keep doing the planning, keep doing the planning. I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 it's this balance, right? I mean, there was a article I was reading recently about uh, the CEO of McDonald's and having to execute the turnaround that he's executed with them. And, and it sounds a little strange when he say it, but he was saying, you know, act, don't plan. What he's saying is, wasn't I saying don't plan, but what I was saying is put the premium on action, right? You're not you're never going to perfect your plan. So you need to have a plan of attack, but then go do it. Yeah. And, and I, I see so many companies that planning becomes this quote unquote exercise where yeah. they get down into the weeds a little too far and they're trying to make it perfect. And there is no such thing, right? Yeah, that's a, so that is a really good point because probably when I say that I love planning, it's not the, I, I like the thinking part of the planning, but then what's fun is to test, is the doing. Yeah, is testing the doing it, against the, right. the doing against the plan. Is this working? Is it not? How do I, because it's like a big puzzle mm-hmm. and it's such a fun puzzle. And I like that. I like the challenge of continually figuring out the puzzle. You got this plan. Let's go test it out. Okay. Let's, let's. Modify. Let's tweak. Let's change this. Let's look at this variable. But I got to get to this goal. Mm-hmm. But but action is such an important part of the plan. If action's left out and we're just doing powerpoints in a room, I'm, I've, I actually I have zero interest. Mm-hmm. In fact, that makes me mad. <laughs> okay, so that's where I start to don't get, get angry. Mad. Yes. Don't, don't definitely don't get me mad. I don't get mad very easily. I don't get mad easily, and it's not Bridget doesn't get mad. She gets even. And I don't even get even, but I'm just kidding here. It's 
I was going to say, be careful when I'm, but like, I'm not a violent mad. <laughs> oh, good. As we're sitting That's three good, feet yeah, apart. Because I'm starting to get really heated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, but things like that, like I don't waste my time because that feels mm-hmm. like a waste of time and we, we can't get time back. We haven't figured out how to manufacture more time. No. Favorite topic of mine, as you know. Yeah. I do. Yeah. As you know. Yeah. So planning important, but at some point it has to translate to action. And yeah, perfection is the the enemy in most cases. Which is good because I am not a perfectionist. No, I've never been accused of that myself either. No. But thinking. Love to love to have people think and take you know, think before they act. That's important. Right? Completely okay. agreed. Oh, good. I thought we were going to end on a note where you didn't agree. No, okay. no. Yeah, no, I'm going to say thinking doesn't matter. No, th- <laughs> yes, I want thinking, not robots. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot that I, I was reading um, on the plane recently, or when I was uh, flying down, just around machine learning yes. and artificial intelligence and how machine learning, the next wave of it is really a more intelligent, thoughtful, because machines, they, they still don't have the cognitive that they can, they don't do well with a lot of context. Right. They can't pick up context. So right. we still need the thinking cabeza. Okay. Well, especially when you bring Spanish into it. Um, yeah, well, the, the context is, is really important. That's hopefully that <laughs> what continues to keep us Separated from, like, before you know it, they they won't even need us. No, I think we're a long ways from that. Well, I was, you know, as we digress from planning, but I also was just reading an article, I don't know if it's, I may have been in Wired about artificial intelligence, and wherever this was, but it was talking about, you know, people, very serious thinkers saying (laughs) one of the most obvious things, which is, we need to be able to wait to turn these things off that they can't prevent us from turning themselves off. You know, thinking machines are, you know, they're thinking that far out. And some people don't think it's that far away. I mean, I'm not sure it'll be in your it, lifetime or my lifetime, but but it's but it is probably it is probably sooner than I think it is. Well, Things happen quickly. Well, we've got these huge artificial intelligence engines we're dealing with now with Siri and Cortana and Alexa and all those things are all. It's amazing. All AI, yeah, yeah. It's very very significant. What will be the impact on sales? Well, that could be a subject of another another episode. But I think in the meantime, to your point. Yeah, they can't handle the context. And, and what we find is that context in sales is, is what keeps humans employed in the business. And it's also very complex. Even the simplest interactions between humans is very complex. Yeah, and there's a lot. Facial expression, body language. Tone. Tone, usage of words. And, and yeah, undoubtedly, as you said, through machine learning or AI, we're going to get much more adept at, at machines helping us with that. But in the meantime... Yeah, that's that's our our province and our domain. Keep thinking. Yeah, <laughs> keep thinking. That's keep how we, thinking. That's how we keep. That's right. Robots at bay. The robots at bay. Excellent. All right. As always, great to speak with you and friends. Thank you for spending time with us again today. This has been another episode of Frontline Friday with Bridget Gleason and Andy Paul, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.